Hello, and welcome to The P-Value, a podcast about science, philosophy, and everything in between. The P-Value is an initiative of the Centre for Philosophy of the Sciences at the Australian National University. I'm your host, Dr. Rachel Brown, and in this episode of The P-Value, we're going to explore the ethics of biomedical research on animals. In other words, research in animals aimed at developing treatments for human diseases. What, if anything, justifies the use of animals for biomedical research? Assuming that some justification is possible, how do we make sure that biomedical research using animals is maximally ethical and humane? So why use animals in biomedical research in the first place? After all, if we're studying human illness and disease, why not study humans rather than mice or rats? One obvious reason is that these species have much faster generation times than our own. Many, many, many rats and mice can be born and live in one human lifetime. This makes it much faster and easier to do all sorts of experiments on these species than it would be in humans. They can, for example, be bred rapidly at large enough numbers to do large-scale controlled experiments in laboratory conditions. It's also relatively easy to breed specific gene lines of these species and thus reduce the influence of genetic variation on our experiments. Whilst extremely important, these are what we might call pragmatic reasons to use rats and mice in experimentation rather than humans. But what about moral and ethical reasons? If humans had faster generation times, would we use them in the sort of experiments that we use mice and rats in? Would we think it okay to breed large numbers of genetically modified humans and keep them in lab conditions? The answer is surely no. And the reason for that is that many, if not most people, think that humans have a different moral status to mice and rats. Let's explore why this is the case. So prudential reasons aside, why do people think it's okay to use rats and mice in lab experiments that we wouldn't perform on members of our own species? In philosophy, the reason typically given is that non-human animals have a different moral status or right to moral consideration than humans. This is usually justified by reference to some sort of special characteristic or characteristics only seen in our species and considered to be of special moral value or status. There are many things we can place in the bucket of characteristics in this sort of argument. For a religious person, it might simply be that human life and human suffering has a special value because of special creation. Typically, however, moral consideration is considered to rest on the ability to suffer and reflect on suffering. In a historical context, there have been those that have argued that suffering is solely the domain of humans. Although strongly rejected by anti-vivisectionists of the time, the oft-recited line, animals are automata, reflects the view of many pre-20th century thinkers. Today, in the case of laboratory animals like rats and mice, very few would claim that they lack the capacity to suffer. What most would argue, however, is that the nature of their suffering is importantly different to that we see in humans. Humans, for example, can anticipate pain, discuss pain and reflect on pain, 
For many, this means that our experience of pain is what we might describe as conceptually rich and that the experience of pain in most animals, or at least so this argument goes, is less so. On these grounds, people claim that it, although it's not acceptable to treat animals inhumanely without cause, it is acceptable if the scientific benefits outweigh the welfare costs. What do you think of this? Do animals have a different sort of sentience to our own? Is the relevant property when it comes to moral consideration sentience? When we come back, we'll look at some reasons to question this line of argument. One reason to reject arguments for animal experimentation that rely on claims about sentience is that they don't give reason not to use a variety of human subjects in experimentation. If moral status is all about sentience, then why not carry out experiments on babies whose sentience is arguably less developed than that of adult humans? Or on those with severe brain injuries? The philosopher Peter Singer argues that there's no good justification for avoiding this unpalatable conclusion. Those that do try and avoid it, he says, and thus argue for the mistreatment of animals, are merely being speciesist rather than basing their views in real differences between humans and other species. Now, while Singer's arguments about speciesism are persuasive, we're left with a conundrum. We either have to come up with some non-speciesist justification for attributing a different moral status to non-human animals, or at least some species of non-human animals, or we have to approach animal research in a really different way. Maybe we can't do it at all. This challenge is magnified when we look at the growing body of research on animal pain and suffering. Rats and mice, for example, show clear markers of pain, not only in their avoidance of noxious stimuli and pain-related behaviours, but also in more nuanced behaviours, like the self-administration of pain relief. Such research makes it harder and harder to place them in a separate category to ourselves, at least with respect to sentience. It raises the question, how can you tell if an animal has a rich or limited experience or concept of pain? Is pain even what we're really interested in here? Can you think of any other categories that could be morally relevant instead? Whilst for some, the aforementioned reasons totally preclude the use of animals in research, scientific research on animals has a reasonably broad acceptance amongst the public. Most believe that the scientific benefits of the research warrant any of the negative welfare outcomes for the animals involved. And it is undeniable that the use of animals in scientific research has brought about numerous advances in modern medicine. The use of insulin for diabetes, the development of transplant drugs and techniques, the COVID-19 vaccine and so many more treatments have required the use of non-human animals. There would be very few people alive on earth today who didn't owe at least some benefit to the use of animals in research. Whilst the benefits of such research are huge, Singer's accusation of speciesism looms large, and it remains important that we consider the ethical costs and ramifications of such research and how we can do our best to minimise harm to those animals we use. Fortunately, government heavily regulates this type of research to ensure that this is the case. The Australian Code for the Care and Use of Animals for Scientific Purposes, which governs all animal research in, in Australia, requires that proposed research be assessed by ethics committees, these committees are made up of scientists, vets, welfare representatives and lay people, and they consider proposed research and assess its expected scientific benefit 
alongside any welfare risks and costs. Attempts to reduce the number of animals used, replace animals with non-animal substitutes and refine experiments to limit their welfare impact must be demonstrated before research can be approved and carried out. The use of animals in research is a gnarly issue and one that divides opinion. Whatever your view, however, the fact remains that some 10 million animals are used for research or training purposes each year. This figure covers a plethora of species, from mice and rats, to dogs, cats, guinea pigs, rabbits, sheep, birds, fish and amphibians. It also covers a huge range of research, from laboratory studies in which animals are ultimately euthanised, through to purely observational work on, uh, on wildlife, observing and managing native species. Ultimately, all of this research requires special consideration of the ethical and moral issues involved. Central to this is our understanding of ourselves and what it is to be a moral entity. Thank you for listening to the P-Value podcast. I'm your host, Dr Rachel Brown. This podcast was supported by the Centre for Philosophy of Science at the Australian National University.